Welcome, everyone, to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Stay tuned for another great author interview, and thank you for being with me today. My guest today is Southern novelist Susan Zarenda. Susan and I have been friends for a few years now. Um, besides being a former teacher, uh, she is also a literary publicist. She introduced me to the wonderful Sandra Con- King Conroy, and we became fast friends. This past March, right before I had to go on lockdown, as everybody else did, Susan was here once again in Southwest Florida for the Southwest Readers Fest because she has her own new, wonderful, stunningly lovely book to talk about. It is called Bells for Eli. I'm proud to welcome to my show, Susan Beckham Zarenda. Hi, Susie. Welcome. Hey, Pam. Thank you. It's so nice to be talking to you this evening. It is so wonderful to talk to you, too. Last time I saw you, you were you were limping around with a boot on your foot because you had such a bad accident in your ankle and cartilage and all. How are you feeling now? I'm getting better every day. I still have some swelling with the ankle, and I have to take it easy and slow down. At times, but I am I am more active, thank goodness, um, than I was in March. I'm so glad. Um, I'm so glad that you're doing well. Um, this, you know, we were talking about in the green room. I think you were the last writer I saw before we went into lockdown, and I we went into lockdown here in Florida, Joan and I. Um, way before that was mandated, and I'm glad we did. But um, it thrills me that you're here because we did have a chance to have lunch together. We talked about yes. a lot of different things, and we talked about your book. This book has been a long time coming, hasn't it? It's the the the, the, the in my heart. It's been a long time coming. The genesis of it was a short story that won the South Carolina Fiction Prize a number of years ago now. The title of the story is Law's Passage, but I just always, after that, wanted to expand the story into a novel, and I was not at a time in my life, I was teaching full-time, I was raising two daughters, I was taking care of dying parents, and then, you know, the list goes on, Mm -hmm. and so when I retired from teaching, I began to flesh out the novel. Now, when you say you fleshed it out, did you pull up that fiction, short fiction piece, and start breaking that apart and doing an outline? No, not not really. I I, I know I, I knew that the the climactic moment in the short story was going to be similar in the novel, and I did. Mm-hmm. I actually did start outlining, and I thought because you know I was an English teacher and I'm a planner. I thought, okay, I'm going to outline the book, and then I'll have it all, and I'll just write my merry way along. And after the third chapter, I never looked at the outline again because <laughs> my characters um, told me that they knew where they were going to go and that I could just let go of that outline. And it, it was, you know, it was an adventure, an adventure. You have um, been writing for a long time, and you've also been a fan of poetry 
And um, I, I guess since your early childhood, when your dad read poetry to you and your brother yes. at bedtime. Yes. But you've yes. also done a lot of writing for magazines and so on. This is your full first full-length uh, novel. Is that correct? That is correct. This is the debut. Yes, it is. Well, I want to say for a debut novelist that arrived in the time of COVID-19, your reviews have been outstanding. Five stars across the board. People are loving this book. So will you please tell listeners about Bells for Eli? Yes, I would love to. Uh, Bells for Eli is a story of two first cousins growing up together across the street from each other in the small town south of, of Green Branch, South Carolina, a fictitious town, in the 1960s and 70s. Eli has a tragic accident uh, when he is uh, young. I think it's his third birthday. His father's blowing up balloons for the birthday party, and he's using Red Devil Lie that has chemicals, or say like helium, and he leaves it in a Coca-Cola bottle, and Eli drinks it. And he doesn't die, of course, from the accident, but he is severely compromised. And 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 he looks funny, and he smells funny. He's got a big metal trach in his throat. He's got a hole in his stomach with a plug that comes out for him to be fed, so he, he, he never smells very good. And he's the target of bullying and, and torment. And Delia, his first cousin who lives across the street, becomes his only friend and defender. And this situation through the years creates a tremendous bond. And there are a lot of other things in the novel that create a, mm. a tremendous bond as, as well. But they, they grow up and um, the conflicts and the circumstances of their lives. Now, when he's a teenager, he looks normal on the outside. All of those outer things are gone. But of course, inside, he has got the emotional scars from both the, the medical procedures and the bullying from childhood. And he's still got physical trouble inside, but you don't know it on the outside. And he's handsome and he's charismatic and he becomes a heartbreaker with a double standard. Uh, all the girls love him, but he is determined now to protect Delia. Um, when she enters into a destructive romantic relationship. But those wounds of the heart, they don't ever leave Eli, and they bring the novel to a stunning conclusion in which Delia learns a family secret um, that she has never known and truths about Eli she has never known. You know, when I first got hold of your book i i wanted to set aside time because normally i'm a very fast reader as you know and oh, i yes. wanted i wanted to set aside time to really absorb the essence of your book but also because you are very much a southern novelist and i say that with so much awe because you know, I, I, all of our mutual friends who, who write from the Southern perspective, it's very different than any other kind of literary writing. There is a, a different sensibility to it, don't you think? I, I do think in, in some regard. I think a Southern novel tends to be more atmospheric, or I shouldn't say more atmospheric, but atmospheric in its unique way. I yes. Think, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not that... It, the characters couldn't live in, in other places. They could, but their stories 
would be different if they lived in other places. Yes. Um, it's, it's what I think. It, that, you know, that's exactly and what it, I think. Particularly because you've created a small town. And um, when in small towns are very, very different than, you know, Green Branch is so different from, say, being in a bigger city. And so this, mm-hmm. the, the attitudes of the people that inhabit that small town are also very different from those who would, yes. who would inhabit yeah. a larger yeah. town, right? Yeah. Right. So right. when when you started writing, did you have your characters already fleshed out in your mind? To some extent, but there were so many characters who arrived and I, I didn't know they were going to be there. And there were characters who took on different ways of thinking that I didn't know um, they were going to. Uh, you, you mentioned the small town and its difference, and this is also the small town south in the 60s, and so it was still right. a really insular time, very much an insular time, and yet the counterculture was out there, and that's one of that, that conflict between the burgeoning strains of the counterculture and, and the insular um, way of life where it was still fathers go to work every day and mothers cook dinner every night and you're, right. you're chasing the... Uh, typical American dream. This is a big conflict because Eli is drawn to the the counterculture. He's a risk taker. And mm-hmm. he's, and Delia, though she is an independent thinker, she's more in line. She, she doesn't follow the drug culture. She's more in line with the status quo. And so that, that conflict, I'm, I'm, I got off your topic. I didn't mean to, but I was going back no, to no, setting that, that, yeah. that time and, and place very much affects who these characters are and, and sure. why they think the way they do, why they think the way they do. Well, you know, I, I can't, I can't do a, a, an analysis on Eli, obviously, because I just don't know how to do that. But it seems to me that had I grown up the way he had with all the medical issues and the socialization issues, being bullied, being tormented, being sick, I might find myself leaning to, to the counterculture, you know, as, exactly. as a way to cope, exactly. as a way mm-hmm. to feel more mm-hmm. accepted, um, right. you know, where where people don't really care, you know, you're just part of that yes. movement. You do your own thing. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. Yeah, and and, 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 you, and because yeah, she's she's not she, yeah she's not encountered that uh, to pun on counterculture, she's not encountered that life. But Eli is a victim of of childhood trauma or childhood PTSD, whichever you want to call it. And and one of the consequences of that is children who have been in trauma, they don't want to go back there. They don't want to feel their feelings. And they will do anything they can to escape them. And and that's that's what Eli does. And and it makes him very popular because he's a risk taker. He's fun. He'll do anything. But what he's really doing is he's trying to escape the bad memories. Right. And that makes perfect yeah. sense to me. Where mm-hmm. Delia's uh, Delia is has grown up with love and for love mm-hmm. of her cousin. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exactly. she doesn't have to take risks. She it, mm-hmm. she doesn't have yeah. to in her own way of thinking. So, That's um, right. so uh, yeah. You know, and I appreciate the the diverse way that these two characters have grown up and then 
Hersher Denouement and what happens in the book. I'm not going to give that away. Um, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit, though, about your experience writing. So, you know, I have read many books that are Southern literature like yours, but your story mm-hmm. is very unique. So how does one create their own voice so that you, your characters are so different and your story is different than anything I've ever read. How do you develop oh, well, that? I appreciate that. I'm not real sure. I don't want to sound too mystical, but I'm not really sure that I can completely answer it other than I write at night, which is not something I recommend for other people, but I write at night because my husband's gone to bed and, and there are no distractions and it's quiet. And I would just really sit at the computer and I would begin to write and and I would hear, I mean, the story is told from first person Delia's point of view, first Mm -hmm. person narrator, and I would just begin to hear her voice in my head. I know that sounds really strange and mystical, but I, yeah, she, she would just, she was just started living her life and, and uh, talking to me and that's kind of the way it happened. And I did, as, as I developed my characters, one character whom I really had trouble developing was Eli's father, Gene, because he is responsible for the accident. And so I didn't like Gene, and he just he was a villain to, to me, the creator, but he mm-hmm. could be a villain because he's a, not a flat character. He's a human being, and, and unless he's some kind of sociopath, which he is not, there's got to be sympathy for him, and I, I right. he, he's alcoholic. He's alcoholic. He he has this guilt, but I, I I've realized in his own dysfunctional way, he loves his son. He he doesn't go about it the right way. Uh, he wants to make his son a man the way he sees it should be, even though his son is different. He he doesn't go right. about it the right way, but he does love him. And when I could wrap my head around that. I was finally able, I think, to create Gene the way he needed to be um, as, a, as a full human being. Yeah, because, you know, and, and that's what I noticed. It's easy to demonize someone like his, Eli's father because yes. he did something so foolish and something so careless. Mm-hmm. But like you said, he's not a sociopath. That was not his intention. And, and mm-hmm. he has suffered repercussions, too because of that right so you know that you you may be angry with him but he's not really he's not a bad person you know you can be yeah he doesn't mean to be he's not yeah he's not evil yeah he's not evil he's He's not guided and he's under the influence of alcohol much of the time so but it, it was interesting you know each character you know whether it was one of the main characters Delia and Eli or or another character who's pretty important, but but not as important as they are, just just took on their lives as the circumstances um, made their way uh, into my into my head, my heart. It was really one of the most I thought uh, a question an interviewer asked me that sort of surprised me um, is she asked me why I decided to write about a taboo relationship. And I just stopped and I thought, 
Well, I didn't decide to do that because the cousins have these feelings of intimacy when they are adolescents because they've been so close all their lives. And I was sitting at the computer one night, and they had stopped in the car after a dance that Eli took Delia to, and they took me there. And and I realized it was inevitable. There was no other choice. It was the lives they had lived together. This was this was who they are, and this was what was going to happen. And it was funny because when she asked me that, I really didn't decide it. I didn't know it was going to happen. It happened sure. because it was inevitable. And so that's that's kind of the way it works. Well, when you were writing it, now you said you were writing at night, and I know, you, I know you're an organic writer. So could you visualize almost the scenes as you were writing them? While you were writing yes, it or before, yes. did you did you say, yeah, this is the natural way it has to go? Mm-hmm. Oh yes, yes, I yeah, and it, I mean, I, I I guess a lot of author. I mean, I guess this is very natural for an author that you're writing and and then in your head you, you you're watching it happen. You know, you're you're watching it happen. You're seeing where they are and what they're doing and what they're smelling and. <laughs> what they're seeing and what they're hearing and, and their responses to each other. Yes. It just, you're watching it happen and you're hoping and praying that the words will come out <laughs> to reveal what you're experiencing in your head. I mean, that's right. Yeah. You know, I don't know who this, I didn't make this up. This is some famous quote, but that, you know, the, 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 the scene I want, the, what I have in my head why it's exactly what it should be is just getting it out on the paper, you know? sure. <laughs> making the word make it happen. Right, right. That, that's the so, trick. You know, I know that you were a teacher for 33 years. Um, you've you've taught a lot of different ages. Um, you know a lot of writers. You're very, very involved with your writing community. And um, Low Country in South Carolina has so many brilliant, brilliant writers. Oh, um, gosh, I do. And, and did you call on any of your friends and associates to say, I'm stuck or I don't know what to do, or would you read this? I mean, was there oh, any, yes. did you, did you take advantage of the resources that were there? To some extent, because you mentioned Cassandra um, Conroy uh, when we first started talking. Cassandra right. was an early reader of my manuscript. Um, and we, we swapped back and forth reading each other. She was working on her memoir at the mm-hmm. time, and Yes, she was an early reader. And I'll tell you, I'm so fortunate. My agent, who was Pat Conroy's agent, she is old, what I would call, it may not be the right term, but I call it old school because she is as much an editor as she is an agent. And she, once she took the original manuscript, she offered a lot of insight and ideas about things that, might need to happen, things that I might need to to pace a little differently, Um, a scene that might need to be there that wasn't yet there, something traumatic that happened with bullies with Eli that that was so bad, and it is in the book. Uh Uh, I wrote it. It was very hard for me to write it, but I wrote it. Um, But that that put them together um, in in a way emotionally that you could just never break apart. So there, she she helped a great deal in 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 my revision process. 
And then, um, you know, I've my friend um, Peter Schmidt, who teaches creative writing in English at the University of Miami, was my main reader. Um, mm-hmm. He would read really not not chapter as I wrote it, but I would write, you know, a hundred pages or whatever, and and he would he would look at them and he didn't pull any punches and he would say, you know, what this this doesn't need to stay or this I'll never forget I had worked so hard one night and I'd written for hours and I'd written what I thought was this fabulous tower scene because Eli is obsessed with bells and bell towers and, mm-hmm. and again wrist loves to climb them. So I, I sent a section to him and the next day I get an email that just says Nope, this one's got to go. And oh I'm my like, gosh! Oh my god! No, <laughs> no, I've worked. You know, and I just, so I'm, I'm cursing, not literally cursing at him, but sort of, you know, email back, and I said, "What? What? What?" And he said, "You just don't. You don't need another." I had another tower scene. He said, "You just don't need it. It's go go somewhere else. Find something different." Oh so gosh. I had a lot of good guidance along the way. Um, you know, I was as I was, you know, writing, and it wasn't that what I'd written wasn't a good scene. It was simply a scene that the novel did not need, and I right. I came to finally recognize that. So I've had a lot of of friends, um, friends who are, are know a lot about writing, who have offered me wonderful mentoring. So you know, you've had this is your first book and I know you were published by University Press which is um wonderful for you very unusual um and and I I am so glad they did and it sounds wonderful we're having this great conversation you've had all these friends and everything else but let's be honest what were the speed bumps for you what were the times when you said I must be out of my mind to be doing this oh gosh <laughs> Plenty of them. So, what is Plenty. what is that like? What is that like? And what happens when you hit one of those dead end streets, or you go over a speed bump, and you're certain it's going to rattle your brain right out of your head? You know, how, well, what's yeah. the reality yeah. of writing, Suze? I guess is what I want to know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You you do, and you get. Wait. I mean, just like the frustration. You know, when you've written and written, and then it's something that's not going to work. And there, there was a, a time too that I I went in and added a secondary plot that I never thought I would add to the book. And I thought I can't do it. I cannot do it. I have done all I can do. I'm not going to do it. I knew it needed to be done, but I just thought I'm not. But I'm one of these people. Um, what I don't have um, in genius, I make up for in tenacity and I'm one of these people who if 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 I've made up my mind I'm going to do it I'm probably going to do my best to do it whether I succeed or not and this was a this was some advice from my agent and she said I really think we need you need to think about blah 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 and I thought no 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 that's going to be a whole rewrite but by golly and this is true story I got on my bicycle before my accident. I got on my Mm -hmm. bicycle, flat ground now, mind you, flat ground. So it wasn't arduous bicycling, but I rode for 15 miles. And when I got back, when I got back, I knew what 
the basic idea in that secondary plot needed to be. And I came running in the house, and my husband started talking to me. I said, don't, 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 don't speak, don't speak, don't speak. I've got to get <laughs> the computer because if I don't get these ideas down, they will be gone forever. But that, it was the best thing. It was exactly what the novel needed. I, I, I mean, I think the novel was fine, but I was never, it was not eureka moment for me. The ending, I think sure. the ending was fine. I didn't think the ending was perfect. And all of a sudden, once I, oh, my gosh, it was so hard. But once I wrote that secondary plot and it meshed with the main plot, the novel ended itself. And it was, I was, I was almost done myself. I said, oh, my gosh, this is what it needed all along. And now, you know, Delia has come to this understanding in a way she would not have come to if I hadn't done all that work. So it was... Yeah, it can be hell. It can just be absolute hell when when I you bet. just feel like you hit hit the end and you can't do any more, but you just dig on down and do it. So, is the joy in starting the project, or is the joy writing the project, or is the joy ending the project? The joy is in having written. <laughs> and you can look at your pages the next day after you've worked on them the day before, in my case, usually the evening before, and you read them and you go, where'd that come from? Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad that's there. And you just think, gosh, I'm glad that happened. And it's, it's done. I, I just, I, I enjoy the revision process almost more than the drafting process because I've got something down. It's it's there right. and, and it's something I can work with. Yeah, so I have a couple I, I really authors like who say your your first draft year is just you throwing up words on the page essentially. Mm-hmm. You just get mm-hmm. the words in and then you can go back and actually start working on a cohesive story. Although I do right. know a few authors who will will write one draft and one draft only. And um Ooh. And I don't know, I don't, some of them are very organic writers and they say, I'm just going to leave it to my editor to clean up. And others are very prolific outliners, you know, 200 pages worth, very detailed and all. Uh, So, yeah, I guess to each his own. Yeah, I've learned I don't really outline or follow an outline, but I've also learned that sometimes I can go back to a scene that's sitting there on the page and yet... I, it hasn't really come alive, and and it does. It comes alive in my head, and that wow. when it really it really reveals itself. So that's that's uh-huh. a lot Wonderful. of what happens to me. That's a lot of what happens to me. I love that, Susan. Tell everybody about your website where we can find information about you. Okay, um, my website is www.susanzarenda. Z U R E N D like dog A Susanzarenda dot com, um, and it's I'm really proud of that website. I can say that because I didn't design it myself. It's gorgeous. I, I, I agree yeah. with you. A talented young college student um, who lives in my town. I got connected to him. One of the best things that ever happened to me, and he is just amazing. He has a drone and. He did that beautiful book trailer that's on the yes on the website, and um, he he manages the the website 
for me to a large degree. I go in and add the events, but, but he takes care of everything else, and I just think he's done a marvelous job. Well, I have to tell you that um, I like your website because it's visually very appealing. It's not cluttered, and it's very easy to find the information. So instead of having, you know, moving parts and bells and whistles, and you have to go Mm -hmm. here and here and here, it just flows beautifully. Are you on social media? Are you on social media, Suze? I am. I have have an Instagram, Susan Beckham Zarenda. And um, I have a Facebook personal page where I, I do post a lot of things about what's going on in the um, my book in the book world with me. And I also have an author page. Susan Zarenda, my dear friend, I'm so proud that your book came out and that I have oh, your glorious you. signature all over it. And you know, it is oh. in my it's it's on it's in my main bookcase because. You know, when when a personal friend has their debut and I get to see them when the book releases, oh, yeah. it makes it all that more special. I I wish you well, continued success. And one Thank last you. question, will there be another book? I hope so. I am working on a, another a Southern novel, but in modern day. I know, of course, I taught for 33 years, so I know a lot about the world of teaching in the classroom, and I am, without giving too much away, of course, it's not much to give away. I think I'm, I've done three chapters, but uh, it's, I'm, I'm challenging myself to tell this novel from three points of view, a, a high school you. teacher, <laughs> a, a young white boy who is from a very privileged background, and a young biracial girl who's from an impoverished background. And these two will meet each other in in in-school suspension, a place that the young man, uh, I'm calling him Sterling, I may change his name, but uh, where the young man meets the young lady and it will take off from there. It sounds fascinating. And it sounds so Southern and I can't wait to have you back. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you, um, and thank you for being my friend and, and uh, uh, just such a viewer. And I'm oh, thank just you, sweetheart. so appreciative of talking to you. I love having you here. And you know something? I'm going to have you come back and be the guest host, and you choose who you want to talk to, okay? That would be loads of fun. I Thank you. I'd love to do that. Okay. For all of you listeners, thank you for being with me. This is Susan Zarenda. The book is called Bells for Eli. It is a five-star award-winning book. I promise you will love it. Um, Be safe out there. Susan, take good care of yourself. Thank you so much. And you do the same. thank you, Mom and Dad. I appreciate it. I'll see you later. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. 